Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 30th, 2010. I always suggest that newcomers to the show and new folk come in all the time from all over the world should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites and you'll see all the other official sites I have uh, listed there on the front page. You should bookmark them for future use in case the com gets problems once again. And if you find sticking on downloads of audios, try these alternate sites as well. They all have the same audios that you see listed. They all have transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given in English. And if you want audios uh, and then transcripts in other languages, go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, and you can download the translations there and print them up. And remember, too, that you're the audience who bring me to you. Uh, most hosts, and I've got the opportunity to do this as well, but most hosts get their money from advertising, uh, to mention advertisers, bring them on the show, and really sell the products in the guise of an interview. But I don't do that. I get a freer hand to topping, top on, uh, or talk on other topics, basically, without being restricted or compromised. The ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN to pay for the showtime. They pay for their, their equipment, their bills, and their staff. So it's up to you to keep me going. And you can do so by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, buying the books I have for sale. These, are not, these books are different from the other books you'll get. You can get all the histories you want in the world. History just means his story. It's whoever's appointed to write it, and or authorized to write it, I should say, really. And uh, I give you techniques of waking up or breaking out of the matrix and getting your minds thinking on a non-linear fashion. We've been taught to be linear thinkers, so we'll come to the correct conclusions by using our language that we're given and our logic that's part of our innate nature as well. They understand us perfectly at the top, and they always have done. So I show you techniques on how to break free of it. In fact, you you deprogram yourself as you read through it. And then you'll see things you never saw before in a completely different new way. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase the books and the discs that I have for sale. Some of the discs have 40, 50 shows on them. And uh, you can purchase them through uh, a personal check to Canada. You can also use uh, an international postal money order from your post office, PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase something, send the appropriate donation and give me your order, name and address in the separate email to me. Same across the rest of the world. You've got the options too of using Western Union. Some people still use it. It's pretty expensive. It's got an expensive fee on top. And uh, MoneyGram as well. I think that's maybe a bit cheaper. Some people send cash and, uh, and that's okay too. PayPal for donations and for purchasing, remember. Now, on this particular talk um, or show, I talk about chronicling life as we're going through it to show you that politics has got very little to do with what goes on. It's a show for the public and really the politicians at the top 
are all chosen years and years in advance uh, before the public are given their names for even election and trained and they belong to one organization and that's the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, Carol Quigley, who was a professor uh, at um, Georgetown University and also an advisor to the, the U.S. government and many different departments, he talks about the fact that that all members, all presidents had been for 60 years back in the 1960s, up until that time, members of the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They classify themselves as a private uh, uh, organization, but they really do lead the world's uh, direction. They're non-political because they don't play politics. They tell politicians what to do back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're back cutting through the matrix just talking about uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations that always make sure that the, the leaders of all parties belong to the one group. They're all coached in the roles for the future because we must all, all these parties must converge and they have converged a long time ago and into the same direction uh, and they're, they're run by very rich organizations, very, very rich organizations with some of the top world's bankers behind them. And it's so interesting, too, to see this article from Chatham House, this is the headquarters of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Chatham House was also um, used for the OSS. That was the, the precursor to, to really um, the CIA and it ran the British um, MI6 service as well uh, in the OSS, and they were the headquarters for it. Why was that? It was because, you see, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, with all their members, were uh, or was the spy agency for Britain up until then, and it still is. Still is. You should see the people they have as members and the corporations who are all on board with them. Anybody who's anybody's on board with them. They have so many think tanks working on all future uh, catastrophes and really the agenda is just a, a mush of, of catastrophes that are going to be presented to us as such so that we'll panic and let them do what they want to do. They guide the world's thoughts, but they also guide all management too and all corporations on their strategies. And so they put this article out here and it's about the UK, but it means the rest of the world too. Since the UK does not have a, have a strategy for engaging with other governments to secure energy supplies and meet carbon emission targets. I should say phony uh, emission targets, all nonsense anyway. According to our report, your report, the study, listen to this too, by independent research group Chatham House, independently, said the end, it's got a royal charter to exist, said the end of Britain's self-sufficiency in oil and gas meant its energy policy must include international partnership if it's to be achieved as economic climate and energy security. So they want to up, basically, uh, the carbon quota reduction that they're going to put out in Britain uh, by the year 2020. And that's not a long ways off, you know. And uh, it means a lot of people are going to be freezing to death, obviously, uh, as, as the world is brought down into rationing and population controls a big, big part of it. But this is the typical sort of thing that they put out there as an independent organization or research group. And uh, these guys really help lead the whole agenda. 
just on food alone, if you're going to Chatham House, you'll see how many people have got working just in one department on the coming food crisis and, and shortages, etc., that they've all planned, you see. These are the guys that own all the medias across the world, and they have uh, departments and all across Europe, and they even have a, one for the EU Parliament. So I guess all the top EU Parliament boys all belong to it as well. Uh, that's how the world is run. It's a parallel government, as Carl Quigley said, and it truly is a parallel government. It gets the job done. They're not answerable to the public because we don't elect them, and they're given a royal charter to do what they do, which says an awful lot. So they want us all to reduce uh, emissions, etc., etc., and then be, and what they want too is for the whole of Europe now to to go together even further and uh, interconnect all of its power and utilities, etc., into one source. I guess that's the best way to do it. Then they'll ration countries uh, one at a time. You know, you're weak for for brownouts, and then it's on another country's weak for brownouts. Then you can all pass the sweaters around in the winter to stop yourselves from freezing to death and borrow them maybe from your local communitarian leader. Now, that's how the world is really run. And as I say, we chronicle the worlds that happens because, you see, the tools that you've got to fight with and you think it's politics are made of rubber. I see it liken this to having uh, departments you complain to and object to and all this kind of stuff. And that's the tools they lay out on the road for you. But when you walk along the roads and you pick the tools up, well, guess what? The, the pick, when you strike the road, it bounces off. It's made of rubber. Same with the spade and everything else. Uh, they're all phony. They're phony. It's to keep you appeased and to placate you and to keep you happy and stupid. That's why these complaints departments are actually there. Politicians don't listen to you. And the, the lower politicians, as Quigley said, are allowed a, a certain amount of competition between them, their, their own party and the opposition party. But the ones at the top are all belong to the one organization and know what their roles happen to be. That's why it doesn't matter what they call themselves, whichever party gets in goes right along with the same agenda, this world integration agenda, multiculturalism, end of borders, all of that kind of stuff, um, carbon taxes for everyone, lower energy resources, and etc. Now, the payoff for the politicians is they get seats on the boards of the international corporations that are just blossoming because they end up running the world's um, uh, supplies, uh, food, everything, including your utilities and your energy resources. That's their payoff for being the little prostitutes that they are. Now, there's an article, too, about Russia. Interesting article. They're always slagging Russia. And uh, it's uh, from The Guardian, 29th of July. It says, uh, Russian police arrest a political opposition activist at a rally in Moscow. That's nothing because they were actually grabbing them. Cars would draw up at the G20 meetings in Toronto, and they already knew who they were going after, the activists, and they just grabbed them and, and, and kidnapped them, bunged them into cars and off with them. They did that in the previous ones as well. I've seen it happening. So anyway, here they are bashing Russia. Russian citizens can be issued official warnings about crimes that they have not yet committed under powers granted to the security services today. President Dmitry Medvedev signed off on a new law giving the FSB, which is a successor to the KGB, the right to caution people suspected of preparing acts of extremism or to jail them for obstructing the agency's work. The powers appear similar to those enjoyed by 
pre-crime, the police unit in the 2002 Hollywood film Minority Report. That was the one that was to predictively program us uh, to get ready for this kind of stuff. And it's already come out anyway because we have pre-arrest now. They can, under Homeland Security, they can have a pre-arrest. That's, that's for pre-crime. Same idea. Because all the data you put out and all the chat you do with your little phones and, and all the information you give them, uh, they study all this stuff and decide if it's time to, to arrest you before anything happens. So Russia is not the only one that's doing this. Anyway, it says here, this is a draconian law reminiscent of a repressive past, said Boris Nepsov, leader of the Solidarity Opposition Movement. Well, he has to say that because he's in opposition. Rights activists had hoped Medvedev would rein in security services after his predecessor, Vladimir Putin, a former, former KGB colonel, stuffed his administration with hawkish veterans. The Kremlin's tough stance comes against the backdrop of disparate but emergent civil movements protesting against corruption and authoritarian government. Now, let's not forget, too, you remember the Orange uh, Revolution where they had um, the West was sponsoring and, and, and flying in and paying for it these NGOs that were wanting their own particular people in to get countries on board with the agenda. They also admitted they did the same thing with uh, the, the demonstrations in Iran. It's all done by, uh, it's called soft power, they call it, using NGOs and financing them well and flying them over to different countries. That's really what Russia is protesting about here because they know who they are and why they're in there. But it says, under the new provisions, the FSB will be able to echo Soviet practices. The punishment of ignoring a warning was unclear, but a 15-day jail sentence uh, is envisaged for obstructing an FSB officer's duties, etc., etc. But I say, this, this is, it's all over the world, this kind of stuff, because we're in a new world order, you see. And that's what countries do. They'll slang another country as you forget that you're already doing it on your own. Now, Another article here is to do with an insurance scam. Now, insurance scams are massive. Most folk don't know that the biggest projects across the world, even the big road projects that are built, aren't financed by banks. They're financed by the insurance companies. They have actually stacks and stacks of cash. Incredible money in the insurance business. And I've talked before about, um, I think it was Walmart that was hiring elderly people and unknown to these people, they were also putting out insurances on them, which they collected, you know, Walmart collected if the people happened to die. Uh, so uh, we can't even think this way. You understand? There are people in this world up there in business, the psychopaths, again, because they're, they're non-linear and they see an angle and everything and an opportunity and everything. And they put these bets on you, basically, and reap the benefits. Uh, but now, of course... They're finding that soldiers, families, you know, are denied cash as insurers profit off the deaths. And then it gives you an article here. I'll put these articles up on my website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of the show. It's from Bloomberg. It says about a woman who uh, got a package arriving at her home in Maryland. And um, just two weeks after she learned her 24-year-old army sergeant had been killed by a bomb in Afghanistan. Uh, it's a thick 9-inch by 12-inch envelope from Prudential Financial Incorporated. I've mentioned Prudential before because these are the guys who say that uh, those who are healthy and get elderly will cost them more in the long run than if they just got sick and died quickly, you know. So they, there's no pleasing these guys. It's all about money and profit. Of course it is. It says, inside was a letter from Prudential about Ryan's $400,000 policy. And there was something else which looked like a checkbook 
the letter told Le Loman that the full amount of her payout would be placed in a convenient interest in bearing accounts, allowing her time to decide how to use the benefits. So she can hold the account, uh, money in the account for safekeeping for as long as she like, the letter said. In tiny print and a disclaimer, the loman said she didn't notice. Uh, Prudential disclosed that what's called its alliance account was not guaranteed by the Federal Deposit Insurance Company or corporation. Or corporation. Uh, and um, as his layman 52 left the money untouched for six months after her son's August 2008 death. And then she says, it's like you're paying me off because my child was killed. She says it was a consolation prize that I didn't want. As time went on, she said she tried to use one of the checks to buy a bed, and the salesman rejected it. This happened again this year, she says, when she went to a Target store to purchase a camera on Armed Forces Day, May the 15th. She was shocked. Why? Because they won't accept it. It's a rip-off, like most insurance. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I am back and we're cutting through the matrix, reading an article about the insurance rip-off scams, especially the soldiers who get insured and then uh, widows or mothers can't fi- uh, get the money from the insurance companies. But she says here, um, Loman, a public health nurse who helps special needs children, said she'd always believed her son's life insurance funds were in a bank insured by the FDIC. That money, like $28 billion in 1 million death benefit accounts managed by insurers, wasn't actually sitting in a bank. It was being held in prudential general corporate accounts, earning investment income for the insurer. Of course, that's what they do. Prudential paid survivors like Loman 1% interest in 2008 on their alliance accounts, while it earned a 4.8% return on its corporate funds, according to regulatory filings. Um, shocked, says Loman, uh, breaking into tears as she learns how the Lions account works. It's a betrayal. It sands me as an American a company would stoop so low as to make a profit on the death of a soldier. Well, they do, and uh, they make profits off uh, lots of deaths of all kinds. Is there anything lower than that? So millions of bereaved Americans have unwittingly been placed in the same position by their insurance companies. The practice of issuing what they call checkbooks to survivors instead of paying them lump sums extends well beyond the military. So you have to always make sure that you read all the fine print and you check up uh, who they're associated with and all the rest of it, who they're registered with. It says, in the past decade, these so-called retained asset accounts have become standard operating procedure in an industry that touches virtually every American. There are more than 300 million active life insurance policies in the U.S., and the industry holds $4.6 trillion in assets, according to the American Council of Life Insurers. Insurance companies tell survivors that their money is put in a secure account. Neither Prudential nor MetLife, Inc., the largest life insurers in the U.S., segregates death benefits into a separate fund. Newark, New Jersey-based Prudential, the second largest life insurer, holds payouts in its own general account, according to regulatory filings. New York-based MetLife has told survivors in a standard letter to help you through what can be a very difficult, emotional and confusing time. We created a settlement option. The total control account money market option is guaranteed by MetLife. 
and it says um, no FDIC insurance. The company's letter omits that, that the money is in Metcalf's corporate investment account. It isn't in a bank and has no FDIC insurance. All guarantees are subject to the financial strength and claims paying ability of MetLife, it says. And it goes on and on and on. But the whole thing is such an awful, awful scam. But they get away with it because, you see, they, they've got friends in high places and every, every, all these big companies have uh, associated lobby groups that, that uh, are full-time working for them all the time. It's a great business, insurance business, good rip-off. And here's another article here about uh, psychiatric medications. You know, psychiatry, I read it, I talked about yesterday with their new uh, Bible of psychiatry coming out, all the new conditions and new diseases and so on where normal folk will get put in drugs and all the rest of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a growing industry, a fantastic industry, but it's all kept too to, it's all meant to keep us all under control because they want a society eventually to be using all kinds of pharmacology, uh, especially uh, the psychiatric type meds to keep us nice and docile and happy and all the rest of it. And um, you find that Huxley talks about it. Um, we find that many others talked about the same thing, using pharma to basically drug us into a happy state so that we won't mind being slaves. So here's the article says, it's from, uh, it's from newswithviews.com. It says, uh, this, this, the say, I asked with uh, period marks to shorten conversations to avoid, to avoid eye contact with strangers in fear. Maybe it's anxiety that I might learn too much about them. I secretly think that the Metallica would be m- making better music if they went back to bludgeoning themselves with party drugs and alcohol instead of therapy. So I'm trying to master the law of unattraction to shield myself from a real job, small homes and junky cars. I'm constantly giving my children advice, only to give it to myself. He says, psychiatry, can can your drugs help me? Perhaps these questions are what motivated me to pursue a career as a drug design chemist, winning multiple awards for my work. Nothing gets me more excited than drugs and how they affect the body. I've studied their molecular anatomy, rich life and limb to mix and match explosive chemicals in a round bottom flask. I even sold my soul to Big Pharma in exchange for lab bench and chemical hood. During this time, I made some surprising discoveries about psychiatric medications, which include antidepressants, antipsychotics, stimulants and anti-anxiety drugs. Understanding what I've learned will protect you from the flood of side effects that are now being discovered at breakneck speeds, courtesy of the myriad of patients taking them in the name of mental health. Antidepressants strive to increase the levels of a coping molecule known as serotonin in the brain. It supposedly helps us find happiness when it's covered in an avalanche of nastiness, but it's never been proven. Still, the drugs attempt... It's all these theories, you see. All these drugs work on theories, not facts. A theory is a good guess, you see. Still, the drugs attempt to boost serotonin by selectively stopping the reuptake amongst the brain cells. This is where the whole SSRI acronym came from, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. It's a slick name, but a stupid idea, because nothing is selective in the body. While trying to block the reuptake of serotonin, antidepressants can also prevent its release and that of another brain compound known as dopamine. And I'll read more of this when we come back from this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the effects of these psychiatric drugs. So many people are on them now, and children are stuck on them as well, and they're even tampering in the womb. You talk about pre-arrest, now I've got pre-psychosis. They're literally going into the womb as well and uh, fiddling around there. The next step, of course, is to see if they've got what you might have, a dominant gene, and uh, before you, you conceive and to take the sperm and the egg apart probably and uh, re-engineer it, you know, then make it a lot better. Uh, enhancement, they call it, genetic enhancement, so that they can get the right kind of child to come out. No one will obey their, their superiors. And getting back to the article, it says here, while trying to block the reuptake of serotonin, antidepressants can also prevent its release and that of another brain compound known as dopamine. And there's a thing, too, we mentioned with these drugs is when they, they're like a, tr- a trigger, they'll switch things off. And they don't just automatically switch back on when you stop taking them. It can take ages to switch them back on. It says, uh, so it prevents, this is when it also uh, stops another brain compound known as dopamine. The areas of the brain responsible for release and reuptake of these neurotransmitters are so damn similar, after all, they work on the same molecule, that an antidepressant drug isn't smart enough to understand which one it's supposed to work on. So it does what any dumb drug would do. It blocks both. That's why users usually carry a glassy stare in their eye, fully under the psychiatric spell they've tuned out. He's already said, deep sadness, fear, anger, and aggression can set in over time. By removing serotonin and dopamine from the brain, long-term antidepressants, uh, users can't find, can't find or feel happiness. And that's true. A lot of them are on this stuff uh, long-term, and they get worse. Instead, they may become, may become buried in an avalanche of nastiness. And if you can't find or feel happiness in your life, what's the point? What's going to stop you from snapping your own neck or spraying bullets on your classmates? Not much when you live in your own personal antidepressant hell. And that's what they found with most of these shootings. Um, they were on these particular drugs that interfered with the serotonin and their dopamine. And you see depression, you can either take it inward as depression or express it outward as anger or fury. And that's what happens. Let's just think this is all opinion. According to the FDA, antidepressants can cause suicidal thoughts and behavior, worsening depression, anxiety, panic attacks, insomnia, irritability, hostility, impulsivity, aggression, psychotic episodes, and violence. Some even cause homicidal ideation, according to the manufacturers. Many long-term antidepressant users will tell you they no longer feel normal emotions. That is true. They'll say that. They are numb like zombies. But the side effects of these drugs aren't limited to hijacking your feelings and emotional state, causing violent and psychotic states. Uh, Physical side effects occur too and include abnormal bleeding, birth defects, heart attack, seizures, and sudden death. Over 170 drug regulatory warnings and studies have been issued on antidepressants to sound the alarm on these side effects. Psychiatrists prescribe antipsychotic meds such as Zyprexa and Seroquel for anything from schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, delusional disorder, psychotic depression, autism, or anything else they can think of. And that's well expressed because they keep adding these new diseases all the time uh, to their ridiculous book. 
uh, even pervasive developmental order, pervasive developmental disorder, which is perfect for boosting sales because it targets children who suffer from irritability, aggression, and agitation. It's a shame because these drugs are good for nothing but sedating irate elephants, not curing psychiatric disease. It says, according to a study published in Psychological Medicine, antipsychotic drugs cause brains to shrink. And they know that, especially the, the, the type that put the children on, the popular ones that mums uh, through Oprah and all these characters are, are doping their children with, and the brains actually shrink. So you aren't going to get a genius coming out of there or a good leader, and they're, and they're mainly guys, so, that's, so that fits in with the agenda. It says they lessen brain matter and volume. Originally designed for those deemed schizophrenic, the drug companies came up with a brilliant marketing campaign to sell these drugs to a much wider market, unsatisfied antidepressant users. You've probably seen the ads. If your depression medication isn't working, then don't blame the drug. You may just have bipolar disorder. Once swallowed, antipsychotics sail through the bloodstream where they get carried to the brain. Like a giant oil spill, And antipsychotics cover the brain in a medicinal slick where brainwave transmissions are blocked. Using becomes, uh, the user becomes devoid of normal brain activity. Motivation, drive, and feelings of reward are shunted. If psychiatry considers this a treatment, then they're the crazy ones. If you've ever seen someone who suffered from the spill, courtesy of following doctor's orders, you can't mistake one of the most common side effects. It's called akathisia. Involuntary movements, ticks, jerks in the face, and the entire body can become permanent side effects for antipsychotic users. And I watched a DVD recently someone sent me on children uh, on these drugs, and they do. They have the facial ticks, and some of them have the hops as well. They kind of hop. They don't walk. They hop in a strange way. It's because it affects their motor uh, workings. Antipsychotics also cause obesity, diabetes, stroke, cardiac events, respiratory problems, delusional thinking, and psychosis. They actually cause these things. Drug regulators from the U.S., Canada, United Kingdom, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa warn that they can also lead to death. I wouldn't be surprised if psychiatrists considered this a cure. And I, no doubt they will, because psychiatry, you see, fought for ages to try and get a name as an actual science. And is it a science? Is it? Is it really a science? Just repeat it often enough and you'll start to think it is. Now, you're going to find uh, that uh, people who break the Official Secrets Act are arrested right away or killed, like Dr. David Kelly. They don't mess around with these things. That's when I'm always suspicious of people who come out of the CIA or whatever and uh, start to talk to the patriot communities. I don't think you ever leave these organizations And you can't tell secret stuff because you're still under an official secrets act, both in Britain, the U.S., Canada, and elsewhere. However, a guy in Britain did um, talk about the cost of the bodyguards for Tony Blair and royalty and different people, and they arrested him. And it's from the Daily Mail, 24th of July, 2010. A former contractor for the Met Police at Metropolitan London has been arrested for, on suspicion of leaking details of the costs of protecting VIPs. 
The rest is believed to relate to recent media stories which detailed the expenses, uh, claims of people employed to protect the likes of former Prime Minister Tony Blair. Do you realize these guys get lifelong bodyguards and we pay for them all? All these guys? See my presidents and so on? Officers from the MPS Directorate of Professional Standards arrested a 27-year-old man on suspicion of breaching Section 5 of the Official Secrets Act, which is a, a petty thing compared to some. The police said the man was a former contractor to the Metropolitan Police. He was arrested at work in, at a central London yesterday and uh, is in custody at a nearby police station. It follows revelations earlier this month that police officers had racked up a £1.5 million expenses bill paid for by the taxpayer to protect the royals. That's just in the metro area. That's not elsewhere. It's all revealed that uh, former Prime Minister Tony Blair's team of bodyguards are costing taxpayers £250,000 a year in expenses alone as they stay in exclusive hotels and dine on expensive meals. The leaked documents revealed officers claimed for everything from luxury hotels to small items such as Percy Pig Sweets, wherever they are, and chocolate chip cookies. Revelations raised news questions about the high cost of providing bodyguards to former politicians and prompted calls for Mr. Blair, who has a £20 million personal fortune, and that's the one that we know of, to contribute to the spiralling costs. So every country, Canada's the same with their former prime ministers and VIPs and the taxpayer funds. Even when they go abroad, they go abroad with these guys too, and the private jets and all that. And they have quite a time of it. It's, it's quite, quite good to be a, a good psychopath, a cheat and a liar. It gets you, gets you places in life. You're ideally made for the system in which we serve. Now, an Israeli newspaper, interesting enough, because I've told you before that when they make their policies at the top, like long-range business plans, they never, ever divert from them. And the, the project for the New American Century team laid out the whole war agenda in the 90s. And Wolfowitz wrote the second one, which really reinforced the first one, about 98, I think it was, saying that they'd have to attack Afghanistan first, uh, then Iraq, uh, then Iran, and then Syria. That was the, these are the ones on their agenda. And it's going ahead regardless of the, of the front men they put in to parliament or to politics. So here's from Israel, and this is from the Israeli National News. House Republicans... Uh, in the U.S. giving green light for Israeli strike on Iran. And it says, uh, nearly one-third of Republican congressmen in the U.S. House of Representatives have introduced a resolution that would support Israel's right to use all means necessary to confront and eliminate nuclear threats posed by Iran, including military force. The resolution was introduced by Representative Louis Gohmert uh, from Texas and 46 co-sponsors. Uh, House Resolution 1553 condemns the government of the Islamic Republic of Iran for its threats of annihilating the United States and the State of Israel, for its continued support of international terrorism, and for its incitement of genocide of the Israeli people. I wonder what the, the Gazans think about that genocide. Eh? It supports all, uh, using all means of persuading the government of Iran to stop building and acquiring nuclear weapons and pledges that the U.S. will ensure, the U.S. will ensure, this is from the Israeli paper, it says uh, that the U.S. will ensure that Israel continues to receive critical economic and military assistance, including missile defense capabilities, courtesy, and free of the U.S. taxpayer. I did the last part, because that's true, you see. Uh, the U.S. keeps Israel afloat, has done from its very inception. 
In addition, it expresses support for Israel's right to use all means necessary to confront and eliminate nuclear threats posed by Iran, defend Israel's sovereignty, and protect the lives and safety of the Israeli people, including the use of military force if no other peaceful solution can be found within a reasonable time, etc., etc. So that's from Israel, and uh, I'm not surprised that most of the house is in their pocket, you know, because they are in their pocket of Israel. And there's even prime ministers in Israel who've said that, don't worry about the U.S., we own it. <laughs> in the past, they've said that. Quite a few of them have said that openly in their own newspapers in Israel, if you bother to read them. Money talks, and, of course, lobbyists talk as well. They can get you into power, and they can get you out of power very quickly as well. And the psychopaths who, who go into politics, and it, was, it is only psychopaths who go into it, Ordinary folk can't get into it. If they, if they do, they're out very quick because they see what the corruption and they won't go along with their hands in the cookie jar and the rest of them don't like you. They'll set you up and get you out. So Iran's on the cards. It's been the cards, as I say, since the 90s and they won't change this agenda. Now, we've, we're living in a big Mickey Mouse dreamland. Do you understand that? Uh, when it comes to reality, and I've said before that the media is a big part of government because they give us our ideas of what we think is reality. And most folk, like Brzezinski said, truly believe the media. Um, they think it's an essential part of their reasoning. It's like an extension of your brain. They, n- they never f- ask the question, well, who owns this media? Uh, what uh, associations do they belong to? Uh, what have they got on board with an agreement to do and, and promote and so on? They forget they're all private companies led by media barons who get knighted by the Queen of England. And uh, as I say, it keeps you, your reality in, a, in a, a low-grade phase. That's where we are, low-grade realities. They never really tell you the whys and the wherefores and the machinations of the big planners at the top who own the media and belong to the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the CFR. Now, this article here is about a, a British politician, and it's from the ecologist. You know, ecology, that's that big, strange thing that um, we're all living amongst. We're all part of it, you see. So is the ants and the insects and, and all these kind of things. And to save the world and our ecology, we have to sacrifice ourselves and all the rest of it, Right. But the better types don't have to sacrifice. The ones who are telling you to sacrifice yourselves and be austere, uh, they don't have to. They're special, privileged people with large enough incomes, and they'll have the, the, the proper amounts of fuel supplied to them to keep them warm and so on and so on, at least for the servants to work, because they don't do any work themselves. Michael Meacher, member of Parliament, he says, Humans only have 200 to 300 years left on the earth. 22nd of July, 2010. Former Environment Minister Michael Meacher on the place of humanity in the universe, intelligent design, the survival of the human race, and the Gaia theory, and uncertainties over climate change. He says, um, your new book is focused on the destruction of the human race, but what is our role if indeed we have one? Michael Meacher says, well, 99.9993% of time, since the origin of the universe elapsed before we even came on stage. That doesn't say that, that it took all that time to produce this wonderful human species, but it does seem odd, and I think it shows that we are part of a cycle which is continuing 
99% of all species are extinct. I don't think there is any guarantee of our survival, especially if we remain as irresponsible and foolish as we are at the moment. And actually, he goes on in this article to liken us, the human species, to a virus that's invading a host. He actually says that, we're a virus. Remember, remember Morpheus in the Matrix movie when he's caught by Smith and he's in a chair? And Smith tells him what he really thinks about humans. And he says, you know, you're a virus. You're a virus. And what do you do when you move to different places? You breed, he says, and you smell and so on. Well, that's how these high-fluting special people think about us too. You're a virus at the bottom. Similar to that other great uh, ecologist and champion, uh, self-declared champion. It's amazing that they all become self-declared champions after being promoted by Rockefeller and so on. And that was David Suzuki who you'll see up on YouTube. I have the link up in my archives where you'll see him when it's a younger Suzuki telling students that humanity are maggots. People are maggots, he said, living on a corpse, basically. And and then he goes on to say that there's different levels of maggots, up to superior maggots. And, of course, he's in the superior group, obviously, and he's a geneticist himself. He's the guys that we've been brainwashing us our whole lives with nature and conservation shows but always with the same agenda in mind, to bring us down off our pedestal of being a supreme kind of being on the planet, down to something that's got no more right to life than an ant. In fact, we, we have none at all, according to the, to the Earth Summit that they signed under Maurice Strong. We, we humans have no rights at all. The plants, the animals, insects, they have all the rights. But this guy goes on to give his doom and gloom, gloom scenario to get to all the carbon stuff through and how much of a sacrifice it's going to be, but we're all viruses anyway, except for guys like himself, of course. The special people. Now the music's coming in, so we'll be back after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, getting back to reality and just preparing you for all the things to come really because that's what we do. We chronicle and show you where it's to go and then the next step, the next step and the next step and the next step because we're trained. It's called continuous education. That's what they mean by this term when they talk about continuous education for adults. You're educated via your media, your news, the comedies you watch, the movies you watch. You're being updated all the time in political correctness and what you think is inevitable things that must happen in the future. You just accept them when they come along. It's called predictive programming. And this is now that the healthcare in the States is going down the tubes into the national healthcare system, which, and I've seen the RAND report done for the government, by the way, it's a, it's a disaster, it's terrifying. They're only copy the British system. And the British system, as you know, don't do cataracts and stuff anymore at all. Uh, all the normal operations are being cut back because of, we're, we're all under the IMF now, you see. IMF's running the show. And the same for the States. So, it says, this is from an, uh, this is ARC Intern Med. 2010 as a medical publication. As you're ready, you see, uh, and try and persuade you that, that cutbacks are necessary and less care is better, you see. And it says, um, if some medical care is good, more care is better, right? Unfortunately, this is often not the case. 
Across the United States, the rate of uh, use of common medical services varies markedly, but measures of health are not better in areas where more services are provided. So this is a statement, but nothing to back it up. They're supposed to believe it. In fact, the opposite is true. Some measures of health are worse in areas where people receive more health services. So her, this, whole, this whole spin here is meant to make you think that, well, yeah, we don't need all this stuff. We don't need to get x-rays for this and that and the other. As a cut back on mammograms and all those things that you just had to get before. Now they're saying, oh, it costs money, but don't tell the public that. But we're doing it to save your health, actually. That's what we're doing it. So the whole article goes on and on, giving you things that are done that shouldn't, that aren't really necessary. And they give a couple of examples like um, knee treatments for osteoarthritis which was proven to, to have no beneficial effects. So that's a, so the, they take that one, art, that one example and it puts it across the board for everything, and that's how you accept it. You see, this is a, it's called persuasive psychology and persuasive journalism. Uh, that, the intent is to make you agree with them by the way the writer presented to you, and you say, well, yeah, yeah, and so that becomes your fixed opinion. So it says, even if medical service has shown to provide a clear benefit in selected groups, using this service in different groups, especially those with less severe disease or low risk for disease, can result in harm. Then they go on about different things that can cause harm and so on before she gets to the real thing. And she also talks about uh, it's really necessary to give all these x-rays and mammograms for, for breast cancer, blah, 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 blah. And she gets eventually to her, the real, the real this is what you call the load, to put the load in the, in the story. In the United States, the debate about decreasing the overall use of medical services has focused on the expense of unneeded care. In fact, reducing the use of medical services in high-use regions of the United States has been estimated to reduce the overall cost of care to about 20%. Cuss-cutting as a justification for reducing the use of medical services is met with suspicion by many people who equate reducing the volume of care to rationing. Rationing implies that the care being withheld is beneficial and is being withheld simply to save money. But as we've noted above, if, if she's bored to convince you, there are many areas of medicine where not testing, not imaging, and not treating actually result in better health. So rationing is good for you. Paying more for less is good for you. And uh, this is what you're getting for your National Health Service and walk-in clinics. We'll never see the same doctor twice, by the way. From Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.